Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, if you will, please stand to your feet out of respect and reverence for the reading of the Word of God. Uh, we'll read this one verse. The Bible says, And they said unto me, uh, The remnant that are left in captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight, God, for the privilege to be here. We thank you, Lord God, for the, the privilege that we have to boldly come for thy throne of grace and obtain mercy, Lord, in a time of need. I thank you tonight, God, for the good singing. I pray, Lord God, uh, that now you bless the reading of your word. And, God, I pray that you bless the preaching of it. I pray that you help me, God, as your messenger. I pray that you give me liberty and power and unction to preach. pray that you'll anoint my mind and anoint my mouth. And use me, dear God, as an instrument of righteousness for thy glory. And I pray for every, every individual that's under the sound of, the, of my voice tonight, uh, God, that you'll take your word and apply it to their life and deal with them like only you can. And I pray that uh, your purpose will be done in tonight's message and during tonight's invitation. I pray, God, that you'll lead us and guide us and direct us. I pray, God, that you'll give us everything that we need to preach tonight and hold back anything we need not to preach. I pray that, uh, uh, that God, that uh, if there's anybody here tonight on this Wednesday night that's never been saved, I pray that you convict them of their sin, that you would draw them to an old-fashioned altar of repentance. They would come and they would believe upon the Lord Jesus before it's everlasting too late. And dear God, I pray that you'll deal with each and every one of us as your people. I pray that you'll help us, God, to examine ourselves. And I pray that you'll uh, draw us nigh to thee. And God, we're thankful that we can, cut, we can draw nine to, uh, nine, if we draw nine to you, that you'll draw nine to us. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, uh, that he died for our sins. And God, that he was buried and he rose again. We're thankful, Lord, that he's interceding for us even now, God, as we come before you. And Lord, we thank you for the soon coming of your son, Jesus Christ, for his holy and precious name that we do pray, and for his sake, amen. And you can be seated. Brother Toby, can I bother you for some water? Is there some that I can have? Because I, I know that I'm going to need it. Amen? Now, I don't want to drink after you. Now, okay. Amen. That's fresh. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, if you'll notice here in verse 2 of the text, the Bible says here, Nehemiah says, he said, I asked them concerning the Jews, how they had escaped and left captivity concerning Jerusalem. And what we find here is the answer unto the question that Nehemiah asked here in verse 3. I want to say this just right from the start. We'll give you a little bit of background here uh, and then just try to get into the message tonight. I told Brother Toby I, I got something. I don't have anything profound. Just got something very simple tonight. But I believe it's what God would have me to preach. And sometimes it, preachers, and Brother Toby know this to be true, sometimes we have a temptation like maybe to try to impress people. Uh, my purpose tonight is not to try to impress you. My, my purpose tonight is, is to glorify God magnify the name of Jesus Christ, and hopefully try to help uh, some of his people tonight. And I am honored to be here, and I did jump at the opportunity to come. I've always wanted to preach here at this church. I, I've always thought to myself, if I could just get one shot at them people, I could straighten out all the mess that to Brother Toby has done over these years. Amen. Uh, but it'd take more than that. Amen. But Brother Toby is a friend of mine, and I, I thank God for him. There's very few people. I've got a lot of acquaintances, but very few people I can really call a friend. Uh, but Brother Weber is truly a friend. I appreciate him and, and Leah and LB. Amen. Uh, and appreciate this church. Good crowd for a Wednesday night. Amen. And, and you'll, you'll, you know this, all over this country there's churches that just have a, a few people that gather together on Wednesday night. But I'm thankful for that faithful remnant. 
I'm thankful for people that want to come to church on a Wednesday night. I'm thankful for people that want to come to church on revival night. Amen? Uh, and we talk a whole lot about revival. I'm talking about as pastors and as Christian people. We talk a whole lot about revival. But I'll tell you what, I'd like to see revival. Amen? I'd like to experience revival in my own heart my own life. I'd like to see revival at the Walbridge Baptist Church. I'd like to experience it at the Fellowship Baptist Church. Amen? Uh, but I want to make this statement real quickly tonight, and then we'll try to get into the message. But 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 I, but I, but I thought about this this morning uh, when I was studying this. Uh, whenever the Lord has a job to do, whenever He wants to get a job done, He lays a hold of a willing people. Now, you'll find that in the Bible. You'll find that in the New Testament Bible, and you'll find that in the Old Testament Bible. God is always looking for a willing people. Uh, and sometimes God is just simply looking for a willing person. And right here in Nehemiah, we find that Nehemiah is just that. He is a willing person. Now, now you can read all kinds of books about leadership, but I'm going to tell you one of the best books about leadership you'll ever read is the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah leads the people of Israel in rebuilding the walls and repairing the gates thereof uh, in the city there of Jerusalem. Now, here in chapter 1, uh, in verses 1 through 3, we, we find the report. We read verse 2, or part of verse 2, and we look there at verse 3, and we see that the report was given unto Nehemiah. He asked that question concerning the, the providence there uh, in Judea, in particular there, the, the people there in the city of Jerusalem. And he got the report there. Uh, in verse 3. And we find there that the report was not good. He, the, 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 the report was given and there was great affliction. There was reproach, the Bible says. Uh, and and the, the walls were broken down. The gates thereof were burned with fire. Uh, so it was not a good report. But in verses 1, 2, and 3, uh, we find the report. And then in verse 4, we'll read this verse. We find Nehemiah's response to that report that was given. Look there with me, if you would, please. Verse 4. The Bible said, that it came to pass, that when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So, so more than one time, I mean several days there in a row perhaps, Nehemiah, uh, the Bible says he sat down, uh, he said he sat down, he wept and he mourned uh, certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So we see his response to the report. Now, I'm not going to take time to, to read the verses, but in verses 5 through 11, down through the end of the chapter here, uh, you can see uh, Nehemiah's request, and he prays unto the Lord. He makes requests, his requests known uh, unto the Lord God of heaven. I want to preach to you tonight uh, on this subject. I want to preach to you on renewing your spirit and regaining your strength. I want to preach on renewing your spirit and regaining your strength. Uh, and I said that about... Revival. Uh, I know that you refer to this as a revival. We have revivals uh, at our church. We and you have revivals here. We have revivals uh, uh, just about every church uh, uh, that's interested in revival will have at least one revival a year. Uh, and we, we talk much about it, and we, we read about it, and we study about it, and we pray about having revival, but very few of us have ever really experienced revival, and very few of us have really ever seen revival. I want to preach tonight from here from the book of Nehemiah, and I want to give you at least five steps to revival that we find here in chapter 1. And really, revival is a renewing of the Spirit. Revival is a regaining of your strength. You know, the Bible says right here in chapter 8 of Nehemiah, verse 10, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
The reason why as Christian people that we're feeble, the reason why we're, we're weaklings in the Christian faith is because we don't have no joy. We don't have, now we'll, we'll think we're happy from time to time, but there's a difference between happiness uh, and joy. Uh, happiness many times depends on circumstances, for joy uh, depends on Christ. Amen. And He gives us joy unspeakable, full of glory. Amen. Now we think about these steps here. The first step that we find, uh, we've already we've already mentioned. It, it is a step of hearing the report. And we see that report that is given here in these first three verses of the Scripture. I want to take time again to look there at verse 3, because I want to focus in on it. The Bible says here, look at it with me again, that they said unto me, the remnant that are left in captivity, there in the providence, are in great affliction and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. Now, I want to try to make an application here to our own lives, uh, under Christian homes, Christian lives, under, uh, under, under this church, concerning this. Now, the first step is hearing the report. Now, the Bible says here, Nehemiah said there was great affliction and an approach. That's not good news. That's not a good report. That's a bad report. So, I mean, that's like turning on Fox News. Amen. I mean, we, we watch that. You see very little uh, uh, good reports that are mentioned there uh, on, the, on, the, on the Fox News Network or whatever network you might watch. Very little good reports are given. Uh, and right here, a good report is not given. Great affliction and, and, and reproach, the Bible says. The gates uh, are, are, have been burned with fire. The, the wall uh, has been torn down. Dear friend, do you not think that, that we're pretty close to that point within our own nation. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. I mean, we're, we have great reproach uh, uh, here uh, in our country. Uh, and many churches today, and you know this to be true, many churches today stand in need of repair. Many Christian homes today stand in need of repair. Many Christian lives today stand in need of repair. Yes, Just like these gates are broken down just like uh, the walls are broken down, the gates and, uh, have been burned. It's the same way within our Christian lives and our churches. Uh, I mean, God, help us, uh, uh, Lord, help us that, that, that we, we could repair uh, our churches. And God, help us that we could uh, repair Christian homes and our own homes and, our, and in our own lives. Oh, God, help us. I mean, there's a lot of homes lay desolate. There's a lot of churches that lay desolate. A lot of Christian lives, individuals' lives that, that lay desolate. The first step of revival is to hear the report. Amen. Now, the problem we've got as Christian people, we, we think, well, it ain't all that bad. But how can you say it's not all that bad? We're living in a dark time. Now, I'm not a pessimist. I, I'm not somebody that, that, that is gloom and doom. But we've got to be honest. Now, I'm very thankful. I'm glad that the Lord has allowed me to be born at this period of time in human history. Now, you know, we talk about the old time, and there's aspects of old time and old-fashioned stuff that I really enjoy. I mean, I'm thankful. I mean, I love to sit down with people that are older than me and them tell me about how it was back in the day. I enjoy that time. I like old stuff. 
Amen. I mean, I like old cars. I like old trucks. I like old motorcycles. I, I like anything old. I like it. That's why I like your preacher so much. He, he, he may not be that old, but he appears that old. Amen. And he acts that old. Amen. I've always said Brother Toby was, was an old man in a young body. But that body's, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll move on. Amen. I don't want to offend you. I don't care about offending Brother Toby. But I, but I know you love him. Amen. I love him. Hey, but now listen. What was I preaching on before I started attacking you? Old stuff. Amen. Old stuff. Hey, uh, but, but the truth of the matter is, I mean, I like being born right now. You, you know, the number one reason why I'm glad I'm, a, I'm alive now and not then? Air conditioning. Now, you thought I was going to say something very spiritual, but, but, but I'm going to tell you, I thank God for air conditioning. This lady don't agree with me right here, but, but I'm going to tell you right now, the, somebody that sweats like I sweat, I am very thankful for air conditioning. Amen. You say, you say, you really thank God for air conditioning? Most of the time I don't. But when the lights go out and it's 95 degrees outside, I remember how thankful that I am for air conditioning. Amen. Somebody say glory to God. Let your air conditioning go out of your truck and you'll thank God for it. Amen. I'm glad I got air conditioning. Amen. I can remember when I was a little boy, we didn't have central heat and air. I remember we got that air unit, you know, got it put in the wall. And I'd come in from play, and I'd go in, and I'd stand right in front of that thing. My mimi, my grandmother would say, Get, you, you'll catch your death. You'll catch pneumonia. And I don't know if any of that's true. I never got sick. Hey, but I'd stand right there in front of it. But you know what? We think back to when Jesus, boy, I'd love to have been alive in the times of the prophets. I'd love to have been alive during the time of Jesus. You know, I don't think I would have. Now, it would have been nice to see the Lord. Wouldn't that have been good to, to be over in, uh, in, in the Holy Land and, and see Jesus? I mean, that would have been wonderful. But you know the thing of it is, those Old Testament prophets, uh, and even, even, even the apostles, uh, they, they didn't have the complete Word of God. Amen. I mean, John the Baptist didn't even have the Holy Spirit indwelling him. We're living in this age of grace, this dispensation of the grace of God. we got the complete Bible. Amen. Thank God. It has been inspired. It has been preserved uh, unto every generation. We have it, thank God. And not only do we have the perfect canon of Scripture, but we got the Spirit of God living on the inside. And not only that, I believe we're in the last days. I believe the Lord's coming again. I'm excited about the fact that I may be part of those that are alive and remain when Jesus comes. I'm glad to be alive right now. Amen. I appreciate the fact that God has allowed me to be alive. And in, the, in these days of apostasy in which we live, when it is dark outside and things seem pretty bad, that just gives us a greater opportunity hey, to shine for the Lord Jesus. We, Jesus is the light of the world. We are to be lights of the Lord said unto the disciples and says unto us. And God help us in these last days to shine brightly for the Lord Jesus. Amen. But we've got to be honest about that report. We gotta hear the report. That's the first step. The second step is this. We gotta get a burden. Amen. We, we, I think we read verse four, did we? The Bible said it came to pass that, that when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. This, we said that was Nehemiah's response. That's, that's Nehemiah getting a burden. You know, we, we ought to have a burden for sin. We ought to have a burden for our own sin. Now, we can sit back all we want to. Everybody listening? 
We can set back all, all, all we want to, and we can talk about the sins of America. We can talk about, you know, uh, Hillary, and we can talk about Obama, and we can talk about Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump and whoever else we want to talk about and, and say how pitiful America is and how pitiful the politicians are. But I'm going to tell you that, that that's, they, they, are, uh, uh, they, they are the fruit of our problem, not the root of it. Amen. Uh, I mean, hey, America deserves Obama. Amen. That's exactly right. You say, well, I don't know about that, preacher. Well, we voted him in. Twice. Amen. We deserve him. Amen. God help us, but we ought to get a burden for sin. But we can get a burden for other people's sin. But how about getting a burden for our own sin? Oh, it's easy to... I mean, some of you right now, you've never seen me before, and you're still trying to figure out whether you like me or not. Some of you have already made a decision you don't like me. Amen. And that's fine, but you better hear the report. Amen. And you, and you, and you better, you, you better get, get a, a burden for your sin. Nehemiah uh, developed a burden. He got a burden. We need to get a burden. If we're ever going to have revival, we're going to have a burden. We need a burden for sin. We need a burden for souls. There's people that are dying and going to hell. And we're not even burdened about it. Amen. We ought to be burdened for self. The truth of the matter is, some of us ought to have a burden because we don't have a burden. Amen. I look here at the verse, and I look how Nehemiah responded, and how this, this, this burden developed. I wonder when the last time that you sat down and wept for the souls of this world. I wonder when the last time you sat down and you wept for the souls of your own loved ones. Amen. I wonder when, when the last time you sat down and you wept for broken homes. When, you, when you've wept for a generation of people. When's the last time you, you, you've wept for, for, for broken marriages? And when's the last time you sat down and wept for your own sin? Amen. And when's the last time you sat down and you wept and you mourned for your preacher and you wept and you mourned for your church and you wept and mourned for revival? When's the last time you fasted and prayed for your church? When's the last time you fasted and prayed for the souls of lost people? When's the last time you fasted and prayed for revival within your own church? Oh, God, help us. We ought to be burdened. Many of us, because we don't have a burden, we ought to be burdened. Oh, yeah. That second step is getting a burden. We see it here in Nehemiah chapter 1, number 3. Very simply, the third step is prayer. I know it's simple. I, but, but you know, I, I think as a pastor that I've failed my people more than any, any other area that the fact that I've not emphasized enough prayer to them. The Bible says pray without ceasing. That's the only thing. I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of preachers who think you ought to preach without ceasing. And when you hear them preach, it seems like they're never going to cease. Amen? And when you're in the middle of a building program, you want to, everybody to give without ceasing. Amen? But it doesn't say that in the Bible. It doesn't even say to read your Bible or study your Bible without ceasing. But we know it says pray without ceasing. But yet, that's where we, that's where we, we struggle the most. You know, the Bible tells us an old classic verse on revival. I understand that it was for Israel, just as our passage is tonight for Israel. 
But on Second Chronicles chapter 7, you know, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, seek my face, and what? Pray. Pray. You know, you know we, we could have revival without singing. We could, we could, I know it goes against the independent Baptist nature, but, but we could have revival without preaching. But we'll never have revival without praying. Amen. We've got to seek the face of God. Uh, and we need to pray and we need to fast. Uh, just, just as Nehemiah uh, fasted and prayed, we need to fast and pray. I, I do read about revivals, Brother Toby. I know you do as well in the past history. And, and we long for them. I, I've read much about about the revival in, in Wales back in the latter part of the, I guess it's the latter part of the 19th century or first part of the 20th century. And Evan Roberts was, was the main character that God used in that revival, just a young man. I've often thought to myself, and I've seen it within our own church, that, that a lot of times that's where the revival is among the younger folks. I mean, I'm 46 years old. I, that that may that may be young to some of you. That may be old to others of you. But but I know as time goes by, we, it seems like we get more callous and more callous. Man, you ever see a kid, man? Man, they have childlike faith. I got I got a church member. He's got a, a dog that's 15, 15 years old, and 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 they lost that dog, and they they were they, the family was upset about it. I mean, it's part of the family, you know how it is. But but that little boy, four year old boy, he prayed for Molly to come home. And Molly came home. And his daddy told me, said, said, uh, she said, I knew as soon as I heard Weston pray, hey, that we're going to get that dog back. Amen? That childlike faith, you see. Uh, and you see kids come to the altar. You see teenagers come to the altar and they'll weep and they'll cry. And, and some of us, we just sit there and look at them. Hey, man. Man, there's no wonder that the 85% of people that get saved by the grace of God will be saved before they turn the age of 15. Because we get cold, we get callous, you see. But Evan Roberts was a young man. He was he was 26 years old uh, when, when the revival began in, in Wales. But I read, and I just read this just recently. I never read this before. But but Evan Roberts, at at 13 years, at 13 years old, he decided he he purposed in his heart, purposed in his life that every day he was going to pray that that God would send revival to Wales. And for 13 years. Every day, this teenage boy and young man in his 20s, he prayed that God would send revival to his home country. And you know, they say that he said to one of his friends right there before the revival broke out, he said, he said, you know, he says, I built the altar. He said, I prepared the sacrifice. The only thing left to do is to wait for the fire to fall. And sure enough, we read in history that the fire did fall. But see, what well, our problem is today, in the 21st century, so we're, we're, we're standing around, sitting around, waiting for the fire to fall. We've not, we've not even built an altar, much less prepared a sacrifice. Amen. And I understand the dispensational aspect of that, uh, you, but, but I'm, I'm speaking a figurative language. But God help us to build an altar. Amen. God help us to be, be willing to, to prepare ourselves as a sacrifice. We know that the Lord's not interested in a dead sacrifice, but He is interested in living sacrifices. Amen. And God help us. We'll, we'll, I hear people tell us, well, they, so I'd be willing to die for Christ. Well, you know, I don't know if I would or not. I would, think, I would hope that I would. But I'm not going to say that I would. But you know, the thing it is, the Lord may not ask any of us to die for Him. 
But he does ask every one of us to live for him. And, and we, we are waiting for the fire to fall. We're waiting for revival. But we've yet to build an altar. We're yet to, to prepare ourselves as a sacrifice. We'll never have revival until we make preparations for it. Amen. And praying is one of those preparations. Amen. So number one, you've got to hear the report. Number two, you've got to get a burden. Number three, you've got to pray. Number four, number four, a confession. A confession must be made. We've got to confess our sins to the Lord. Look here with me back in our, in our text in Nehemiah chapter 1. and We'll read verses 6, 7, and 8. The Bible says here in verse 6, is, let, thy, let thy ear now be attentive and thy eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Now, he's making confession here. Let me, let me back up for just a second. You'll notice that he said he prayed day and night. You know, you read the Bible, uh, the, the, the Israel, and you read, think about Daniel. You know, he'd pray morning, night, and noon, midday. And, and, you know, I challenged my people here a while back that we are to do that. Let, let's get up in the morning and pray. Let's, throughout the day, somewhere, let's find a place to get along with God and pray. And at night, let's do the same thing. And, you know, that you, you can read over there and how, how they, you know, they, they forbid anybody to ask any request of, of God or anyone else. And I believe, and, I, and you know, you, we can talk about all the details of that how it related politically. Uh, and how they were likely very uh, jealous and threatened by Daniel and his position within the government there. But the thing of it is, there, there's no doubt in my mind that that, but that that ban on prayer, that that was satanically inspired. And the truth of the matter is, I, I found it interesting that in 30 days, 30, they said 30 days, why was it 30 days? And you hear people talk about it all the time. You say, well, in 30 days you can form a habit. You 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 live you work out for uh, five days a week for a period of thirty days you'll develop a habit, amen. You'll eat right for thirty days. You may it might go ahead and eat right for sixty days. Now I probably wouldn't, amen. <laughs> but but some people would develop that habit, amen. Uh, and we can develop a habit. And I believe that the devil knew that. Satan knew that. So they tried to get the people of Israel, Daniel, and the rest of them, not to pray, not to ask God of anything for thirty days. But on the flip side of that. If we'd get down before the Lord and, and beseech Him morning, night, and noon for 30 days, perhaps we'd develop a habit in our own lives of praying to God and petitioning God and calling out on His name and seeking His face. God, help us. I, I've had people in my church, when, when I challenge them to do that, they say, well, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, preacher, I've not done it three times a day, but I've done it twice. Well, that's better than once. And once is better than zero. And, and the thing of it is, we're, we're to have that attitude of prayer. We're, we're to pray like the Bible says without ceasing. We're, we're to always be conscious of the things of God. But, but, but we see prayer, but we also see confession here in, in the Word of God. Uh, in verse 7, the Bible says, We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the, the, the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou uh, commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee. The word that thou hast commanded thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress 
I will scatter you abroad among the nations. And that's what happened. They had been scattered abroad among the nations. We're to confess to the Lord. I wonder, have you really examined yourself? You know, it's interesting to me in First Corinthians 11, context of the Lord's Supper, it says, let every man examine his self. Let every man examine his own self. Now, it's easy for us to examine each other. Have you ever sat in a service and Brother Toby was preaching a message and, man, he got with it? I mean, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, I mean, he was after somebody. I mean, he was reproving, rebuking, and you thinking, man, alive? Said, man, so-and-so needs to hear that. Hey, man. You heard about that guy? You probably have, Brother Toby, where, where every, every time the preacher would stand at the back door, people left, and he'd shake the hand, and, and this guy, every time he'd say, boy, you let him have it today, preacher. You let him have it today. Begin to bother this preacher, you know. He thought to himself, well, he said, he always says, let them have it. He never says, you let me have it or let us have it. It's always them, you know. And then there was, there was a snow day. And nobody showed up but that guy and the pastor. The pastor thought, well, you know, I, I'm going to preach just like I would if there's a full house. And, and he sat there and, and the preacher preached. And, boy, he let it rip that morning. I mean, he just up and down that guy's row. At the end of the service, he walked back there, shook his hand, and said, Preacher, he said, if they'd have been here, you'd have really let them have it. And that's how we are. I mean, we think the preaching applies to somebody else, you know. We, we can examine everybody else, point out everybody else's fault and everybody else's flaw. Hey, and everybody else's sin. But, but the Bible tells us we're to examine ourselves and we're to judge ourselves. Uh, and, I, and I'm asking you not, have you examined yourself? Coming into your revival, have you examined yourself? Have you been honest with yourself? Have you been honest with God? I'm talking about confession. Brother Toby, I, I can remember I, I can remember where I was at. I, I was driving to church on Sunday morning. It's probably a year ago, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I can't remember exactly. But I remember where I was at on the road. I was by myself. And, and I was driving, and I, I started praying. Like I often do on Sunday mornings going to church, you know, you just, just begin to talk to God and ask Him to bless the service and so forth. And I said, Lord, forgive me for all my sin. And, and that's what we're to do. We're to confess our sin. But I believe the Lord wants us to be very specific. And say, Lord, forgive me for lying. Forgive me for stealing. Lord, forgive me for gossiping. Lord, forgive me, for, you know, for this. And forgive me for that. And I started naming my sins in my life. And I got to this one sin. And I said, Lord, forgive me for this. And, and it's like the Lord spoke to me. Now, I've never heard an audible voice. But I've heard him. Yeah. Amen. I got this lady uh, down down the road from our church, and I was knocking on doors one morning, Brother Toby, and and, and she was at, actually she she was out on the front porch, and uh, she she invited me up, sat on the front porch with her, and I did, and she said, "Would you like some coffee?" And I said, "I said, I said, no, ma'am. I, I said, I said, I said, I don't drink it, but thank you very much." And she she says, "Well, why don't you drink it?" And I said, "Well, I've just never acquired the taste for it." And she said, do you think it's wrong to drink coffee? You know how people are. They want to. And I said, no, ma'am. I said, I don't, th- I don't think it's wrong to drink coffee. I just, I just don't prefer it. And she, she says, well, Jesus drinks coffee. And I said, really? I said, I said how do you know that? She said, because I, ha- I had coffee with him yesterday morning. Now, somebody said, amen. And I thought exactly like what you're thinking. She sat down there with the Lord, opened her Bible, read and prayed. 
And I said, well, that's wonderful, sister. I said, that, uh, you know, well, that's, that's great. And I, and I, and I must have said something to, uh, to make her th- realize what I thought she was saying. She said, no. Jesus actually showed up and sat down with me, and we had coffee together. I said, ma'am, I think I will have a cup of that coffee. Hey, ma'am. Hey, ma'am. It might help me, Brother Toby. Hey, ma'am. Hey. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm preaching about now. What was I talking about? Confession. Hey, ma'am. I, I was praying. I was asking God, Lord, forgive me. And I come to this one sin. And you said, what was it, preacher? It's none of your business. Between me and the Lord. Hey, Amen. I said, Lord, forgive me for this. It's like the Lord spoke to me. And he said, now be honest with me. And I thought for a second. And I was honest with myself and honest with God. And I said, Lord, I said, I will be honest with you. And I've asked, I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm asking you to deliver me. And I'm asking you to take this from me. But the truth of the matter is, I don't want to stop it. And I was honest. But you know what seemed that after that point, when I was honest with God, that He really began to do a work in my life about this? And really began to help me? You know, sometimes God just wants us to be honest with Him. Drop the religious facade. And just be honest with your Heavenly Father. Be honest with your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the Spirit of God work in you, and then He can work through you. But, but I believe that it's got to start with some honesty before God. And we've got to confess our sins. We've got to examine ourselves. Be honest with Him. Honest with ourselves. And confess our sins to God. Not only just those sins of commission, but also, also those sins of omission. The Bible said that He doeth, do, knoweth to do good and doeth not to Him as sin. We're not just be hearers only, but we're to be doers of the Word of God. And, and a lot of times we think about wickedness, we think about unrighteousness, we think about, you know, uh, immorality and sexual type sin and adultery and fornication, that type of thing. Oh, that's wickedness. And when we don't do that stuff, so, we, you know, we think we're okay. But what if you got the good news, you got the truth, and you refuse to tell it? How wicked do you think God sees that? That is wickedness. To refuse to tell somebody the truth and give them the gospel. That's wicked. God help us to confess our sins. And, and of course, we know the Bible says if we confess our sins, confess our sins, He's faithful and He's just to forgive us from all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we've got to confess it unto Him. Now, listen, I, I claim 1 John 1, 9 all the time. But we've got to be careful that, that, that it's with the sincerity of the heart. The Lord knows our heart. We may not be honest with Him, but when we're not honest with Him, He knows we're not honest. We'll, we'll criticize the Catholics, you know. Oh, they'll go to confession on Saturday night, and then, then, then they'll, they'll sin the next day. Well, there's a lot of Baptists who do the same thing. They're just cutting out the middleman. Hey, man! They, they, they'll say, oh, God, forgive me. And they know in their heart that they don't really want... They, oh, they want forgiveness, but they, hey, they don't want to really confess... Because when you confess your sins, you're agreeing with God and you're getting a change of mind that will produce a change of direction. Confession is that fourth step. That leads us to to number five. The the fifth step to revival is repentance along with faith. And that will renew you. That repentance will. That faith will renew you. That change of mind that we mentioned. And that will produce a change of direction in your life. Let's look here real quickly, and I'm going to hurry, but look at verse 9. The Bible says, but if you turn unto me. Now, if you're turning unto Christ, you're turning from something else. Now, I don't believe that repentance is is reformation. 
And I, and I don't believe that there's any work to salvation. It's all by grace through faith. But, 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 but I do believe that it's repentance towards God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. In salvation, here it's talking about a believer, and we're believers. And, and you know, I, yeah, when I got saved, I, I mean, I couldn't explain it all, but when I believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, I come to Him with an attitude of repentance. Amen. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance, the Bible says. I couldn't have explained it, but I came under repentance, and, and, I, and I didn't just repent that one time. I've been repenting ever since. Amen. Look here at the verse. It says, but, but, but if ye turn unto me, verse 9, and keep my commandments, and do them, though they were of you cast out unto the uttermost parts of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now, these are, are thy servants, thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thy ear be attentive unto the prayer of thy servant, and unto the prayer of, of thy servants who desire uh, to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, grant him mercy in the sight uh, of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Now, you see here, it's talking about uh, be attentive unto the prayer of, of thy servant. We said earlier that God's always looking for a willing people, a willing person. So he mentions here the servant, which is a person, but then he says our servants, plural, which is people. We've got to be, be, be willing to experience revival. We've got to be willing to be renewed in our spirit. We have to be willing to, to regain our strength. And I'm not talking about physical strength. I'm talking about that spiritual strength. Some of you may know it. I had a heart attack on January the 9th. And I don't know if any of you all have experienced it. Some of it may be due with the medication. I don't know. But even now, it seems like I'm still in a little bit of a fog. And I think that, I mean, I can, I mean, I've been working out. I've been doing physical activity. I've exerted myself, and I've not had chest pain or anything like that. But it's just like I'm just, I feel Feeble. I don't know how else to describe it. Just feeble in a, in, a, in a fog. And I keep praying, Lord, just help me to regain my strength. But you know, there's a lot of us. We walk through life in, in a spiritual fog. And I'm not talking about in the glory. I'm talking about, you know, just, just feeling feeble. No spiritual strength. And, and it just seems like we're just going, you know, we get up, we go to work, we, we come home, we do whatever we do at night, and then we go back to bed. And, we get, and it's just like, I mean, we're just going through the routine. But we need a, our strength regained. We, we, we need our spirit uh, renewed. I, I want you to look here in chapter 2, and I'm almost done. Just, just be patient with me here for just a second. These first couple of verses here in chapter 2. Uh, Nehemiah's burden intensifies. Now, I believe that there's a lot of people here tonight. Just stay with me for just a minute. I believe there's a lot of people here tonight that have a burden. I don't doubt that for a second. But our burden needs to intensify. And here in chapter 2, we, we see that. Uh, you look down here in verse 2. The Bible says here, The king said, Wherefore the king said, said unto me, Why is that thy countenance sad, seeing that thou art not sick? This is, is, is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I, I was very sore afraid. See, the king recognized that he wasn't right. 
His countenance wasn't right. And then he said, verse 3, he said, I said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not thy countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's secular's life, waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? He, he's burdened. He's, his burden is so intense that the king recognizes something's not right with him. He knows his health fine. He knows he's not sick. But there's just something not right. And it's because of that burden has intensified in his life. Now, uh, a burden, a real burden, an intense burden, it'll produce two things, I believe. Number one, it'll produce a desire. Now, you look down here in verse 5 of chapter 2. Nehemiah said, I said unto the king, If it pleased the king, and if thy servant had found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me to Judah unto the city of my father's settlers, that I may build it. Two things there. First of all, he says, send me. Amen. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that the evangelism always produces revival. I don't know that to be the case. It could be the case from time to time, but I don't believe it always does that. But I do believe real revival will always produce evangelism. I mean, and when I say evangelism, I'm not just talking about, you know, Tuesday night at 6 o'clock or Thursday night at 6 o'clock or Saturday morning. But I'm talking about real revival. You won't even have to have an organized visitation if real revival comes. But it says right there, He's seeing he had a desire to go. And when our burden is intensified, we'll have a desire to go. We'll have a desire to build. Notice there, uh, that he send me that I may build it. Amen. That I may build it. See, when, when we, we're in a place where we, we're not in revival, we'll sit around and, and we'll say, well, if, if Brother Toby would just straighten up, get right, and maybe he can build this church. Amen. If them deacons, if they just get right, them trustees, those Sunday school teachers, if, they, if those folks who showed up on Wednesday night, if everybody just give and everybody just go, maybe we could build this place. But when you get revival, you're not worried about what the preacher's doing. You're not worried about what the deacons or anybody else is doing. When you're experiencing revival and you've got that intense burden, listen, you, you're, you, hey, you're ready to build the thing on your own. And Nehemiah, that's what he says, so that, that I may build it. He said, send me and the Jew that I may build it. We've got to have that desire. That, that burden will, will, will give us a, a desire to, to rise up and build. Look at verse 18. It says there about, about rising. It said, let us rise up and build. And then it says, so, thy, uh, so, so they strengthened their hands for this good work. They strengthened their hands for this good work. Do you believe that the ministry... Of, of the law which Baptist Church is a good work. Yes, if you don't believe that, hey, you, you need to get right with the Lord or, or find you another church. I'm not trying to run nobody off. Hey, but, 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 but if you're a member of, of the Fellowship Baptist Church, Brother Bill, hey, as you are, then, then you believe that it's a good work that's going on. And they strengthened their hands because they knew that they need to rise up and build. I said desire will come with an intense burden, but also opposition will come. Verse 19, uh, the Bible says here, But when Sambalat, uh, the, the Horonite, and, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, uh, the Arabian heard it, they laughed at us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? What is this thing that you do? They all gonna laugh at you. 
Hey, you know, he, 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 uh, what time is it? Am I, am I okay? Okay. Listen, it'd be a good thing. Some of you older folks in here know this. But for some, some middle-aged folks, some younger folks, it'd be a good thing for you to realize the world is against you. Quit trying to please them. They're never going to be pleased with you. They're going to mock you. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to make fun of you. That's just the way it is. And when you embrace that, the better off you'll be. When I threw my hat in and said, hey, I'm all in for Jesus, you know, I quit worrying about what all my friends thought that wasn't all in for Jesus. And I embraced the fact that not everybody's going to like me. There's a point in my life where I'd sit around and worry about it. Why doesn't so-and-so like me? I think I'm a nice fellow. What have I done to them? Maybe if I preached a different way that they would like me more. Maybe if I was just a little easier and a little bit more kind, people would like me more. And I thought that way to some degree. Now, I'd like to pretend that I didn't. Somebody says, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. They're lying. If they really didn't care what anybody thought of them, they would never say, I don't care what people think about me. Amen. I mean, I, Brother Bill here, he's one of my church members. I want Bill to love me. Brother Nathan, Jessica over here, I want them to love me. I want LB to love me. I don't think he does, but I want him to. I think he's a little scared of me. I'm not sure why. I told Kimberly when he was, he was up here, I said, I'm going to go up there and just jerk up LB, just carry him around the church, see what he said. She said, you better not. She said, it's not right here before church. <laughs> what do you got? Can I have some of that? He's going to give me? I, I'm, can I have one? Can I have one? Selfish little kid. Just like your daddy. Amen. <laughs> See, I get confused. It's the medication. Amen. <laughs> what was I preaching on? Don't care if people... Embrace it. Just realize. Just go with God. Just try. Just, just purpose in your heart. You're going to please God. You're not going to worry about them laughing at you. You're not going to worry about them mocking you. You're not going to worry about them despising you. You're just going to go with God. And when you do that, it will revolutionize your, your Christian life. It'll help you, but, but, but understand, there's all, anytime there's a good work going on, there's going to be opposition. How we started a bus ministry, I thought everybody in Blunt County would be thrilled to death. I thought pastors would call me up and say, son, I'm so proud of you. But they got mad at me, you know. And, 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 and you know, and, and when, when we had eight people in our church, Brother Toby, oh, Tom, he's a good one. But then we started growing, you know, old Hatley. Hey, <laughs> man! Hey, there's going to be some opposition. And that's why we need to strengthen our hands. Every good work will produce opposition. Amen. Now look at chapter 3. I'm, I'm hurrying. I promise you, I'm not going to go through the whole book. Okay? This is the last, last chapter. It, right here in verse 1, chapter 3, it says, it says he rose up with his brother. Do you see that? And they're building the sheep gate, the Bible says, and the doors of it, it says. And then verse 2, it says, And next unto him buildeth the men of Jericho. Now, something's interesting right here to me, building the men of Jericho. Man, that's the thing we're in this for, to build men and women. Amen. But we're to edify one another. Build one another up. You know, anybody can tear something down. 
I, we, Brother Toby mentioned the building program. I think I might have said well, this is our third building program, Brother Toby. And and, and we've we've had to, a couple different times we've had to demolish something that we'd built. I'm not talking about I'm talking about in the past. So we could we could do something else with that room or that part of the building because we're building this over here on this side. Man, you need somebody to go in with a sledgehammer and bust some walls up. I am your man. Give me a sledge. I don't even need a. Just give me a hammer. I'll bust up sheep sheet rock, sheep rock, sheet rock. I, I mean, I knock down uh, all, uh, any type of wood or. or hey, man, I, man, I, I, and it's fun. Amen. But I can't build a thing. Anybody can break something up, bust something up. But take somebody with some skill to build something up. We can tear each other down all we want to, but anybody can do that. We're to, build up. we're to build ourselves up in the most holy faith, says. We're to edify one another. That We see right here in chapter 3, they rose up. There's a rising. Then, then we see where they, they built the men there of Jericho. Uh, and they built the sheep gate. Uh, there, there's a repairing here. 32 times in 32 verses, we see some form of the word repair here within this chapter. And sometimes we just need to repair some things. I think about over in Revelation chapter 3, verse 2, the church of Sardis. The Bible says over there, Jesus said, said, strengthen those things that remain. Strengthen those things that remain. You know, we we, we need a revival. We, we, we need a renewed spirit. We, we need to, to regain strength. My wife told me today, she, she, uh, we have problems with her septic at her house, and the Lord's helping us get that fixed. But Kimberly's been going to the laundromat to do her laundry, and she says, "You know," she said, "There's always crazy people down there." <laughs> I laughed. I thought, "Huh? Sounds like a Baptist church to me." <laughs> she said, "There's always crazy people down there." She said, "Today, but they's a little crazier." And I said, "Well, what happened?" She said, "There's this one fellow had one tooth in his head. He's right there in his bottom lip. He had one tooth." And, I, and I, he come up to me, and, and, he, and Kimberly says she's re- reading her Bible. And she, he, said, he, said, he said, young lady, can I see your Bible? And, you know, the fact that he would say, young lady, my wife, shows that this is a very elderly gentleman. <laughs> it's the meds. It's the meds. I, I can't help it. You know. <laughs> but she said, young lady, can I see your Bible? And she said, well, I guess so. And, she said, and he looked, and he gave it back to her. He said, so this is for salvation. But you, but you cannot learn how to live through this Bible. And he come up with some kind. And I'm, Brother Toby, you may have heard of it, but the first, the first epistle or the second epistle to Paul, I don't know either. But, 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 but he ended up getting, long story short, he got aggravated with my wife. And, and his wife walked up and said, well, well, she doesn't realize you're a prophet. And she said, well, she should. She said, why does our spirit not bear witness with one another? And Kimberly said, I guess because you're crazier than a loon. <laughs> you know. But, you know, there's a lot of people. I mean, that, that old fellow, no, no, no tell them what was wrong with him, you know. But, but there's a lot of people who got a bad spirit. Man, I, I don't want to have bad spirit. Do you know, it would be very easy for me to get a bad spirit. I mean, bitterness, things of life, bitterness can sink in and, and you know, I, I've, heard, I've heard people say before that said the devil don't have any happy old people. Right. That's, true. That's true. 
I, this, this sister back here, I'm not calling you old sister. I call my wife old, but I'm not going to call you old, okay? I, I was watching you doing, doing the song service. And, and even now, you know, you look like you're about to cry. Got them hands done up. I thought, God bless her. So I like that. That's precious. And then others of you, you, you know, your spirit has bore witness to my spirit. And man, I, those sweet spirits, I mean, they're just something about that. I was in, I was in, um, I don't know where I was at. I, I, I was in an airport in a foreign country going to another country. Uh, but, but there was a fellow, and, and, and he was from England. And he was there, and, and I looked at him, and he was reading his Bible. And I was waiting, kind of waiting in line. He was at a table. And I, I, said, I said, do you believe what you're reading? He said, yes, sir, I do. And, and, I, and I, said, I said, do you believe that's the Word of God? He says, absolutely, I believe it's the Word of God. And he says, I can tell by your questioning and your spirit that you, are, you believe it too. And for about five minutes, he and I, we did not even ask each other's names. He asked where I was from. I asked where he was from. But for about five minutes, we, we, we just rejoiced in Jesus. My spirit, he didn't talk like me. I didn't talk like him. You know? I mean, I mean, I, I, I wanted to watch football and he wanted to watch soccer. Hey, before just a few minutes, though, we had fellowship in the gospel. Amen? Right. Amen. And his spirit, you say. Some of us, we need a renewed spirit. And some of us, man, we're barely hanging on. We're barely making it. And we need God to help us to regain strength in our life, that we can have the, the joy of the Lord that Nehemiah uh, talks about where the, in, in verse 10 of chapter 8, where it says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. And it all starts with listening. Right. Hearing, hearing the report. That's, that, that's where it starts. The Bible said in Revelation, And he that hath an ear, let him hear. Right. And then, from there, that, there, that you must receive a burden. You must pray and confess. And just come to the Lord in repentance and faith. Certainly tonight, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you ought to come to Him and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. But most likely, most of us, if not all of us, I don't know who's lost and who's saved, but I would say the majority of us here on this Wednesday night, we're saved, we're going to heaven. But we need that renewed strength. And we need that regained, that renewed spirit and regained strength. Man, I'll be honest with you, I need it, Brother Toby. Man, I need it. I need Him. And it could start. Revival could start. I, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a worldwide revival. I doubt it. I mean, that's, maybe that's my lack of faith. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know if there'll be a national revival. I know we're not promised it in the Bible, like some people. We're not promised it. It could happen, yeah. We've got it. Anything can happen. But I don't know if we have a worldwide revival. I don't know if we have a national revival. But I believe that God desires, that He desires, to have some willing people that have a desire for revival. And I believe in these last days that not only is it possible, but I believe it's probably probable that there's going to be little pockets of revivals in local churches all along this country and scattered about all in this world. You know, we, we get sidetracked sometimes, Brother Toby. You know, even, even in my preaching, you know, I think, well, our country, our nation. But God, His vision goes far beyond our country and our nation. I was in South Africa this past year, and I was talking to this fellow. He, he, he was Kosa. That, that, that's the clicking language, you know. But he could speak English. And, and, he, and he and I were conversing, and, and I asked him, his name was Sipo, which Sipo 
in, in, in South Africa is, is just like John, and you know, I mean, it's a very, very, very uh, uh, common name. And, and Sipo, I said, Sipo, when did you get saved? Tell me about it. And he began to describe to me conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. And I thought to myself, I said, that ain't, that ain't a cultural thing. That's not an American thing. That's a God thing. And he had never had any, uh, man, he had never heard of camp meetings and never heard of Sammy Allen. You know what I'm saying? Hey, never heard that, but, but that conviction was real to him. And I thought to myself, huh, God is real. And there could be pockets of revival in the nation, but there could be pockets of revival all around this world. And perhaps they're happening right now, we don't even know about it. But but I'd like for it to start. I, I'd like, you know, we're, we're okay, I, listen, I'm a substitute. Brother Brian McBride was supposed to be here tonight. He's unable. I'm good with that. That don't bother me. Brother Tom said, ah, Brother Tom, you know I love you. You're not my second choice. You, I was your second choice. <laughs> and truthfully, if you got somebody at second at short, such short notes, you'd got somebody else. Well, that's what I mean. well, I know. Third choice, fourth choice. Man, I'm good with that. Hey, I may not have been the first choice. But I'm the right choice. Amen. <laughs> hey. And I know the preacher was disappointed when he found out Brother McBride wasn't coming. But you know, rather than me just coming filling in for two or three days, and what if, I'm not talking about anything I, I, I can do. I can't do it. But what if, what, what if we just yielded ourselves to the Lord and let God do it? And it just wasn't just me coming in to be a substitute or fill in. But God really did something in the Walrus Baptist Church tonight and tomorrow night and Friday night. You know what? I think He can do it. That's right. I, hey, I, I, I want Him to do it. I need Him to do it. And let's ask God to, to renew our spirits and ask God to help us to regain our strength in Him for His glory.